0: What is good, everybody, man? Welcome into the Blue Bloods, the Coach's Corner Edition, myself, my guy, Coach Fred. We got week zero is finally here, Coach. We didn't really get to do a full introduction, man. I mean, what's what's things like going on in Alcorn right now?
1: Well, I mean, we are basically uh, one week away. Uh, So this is a uh, time for us, man, that we're starting to come back. you know, scale it back a little bit, get the guys back in the groove, get the legs back under, um, a little less contact, um, more of the honing in on the, the opponent, uh, for that week. And so, you know, trying to get them adjusted to school, which was a plus, uh, without a, you know, started school a week early. So they got that part of, you know, life out of the way, so to speak. Now coming into a game week, they've already been in school for a little while, a little week. And, uh, now, you know, it's football. So, you know, classes, there's no excuse now. You know where you're going. There's nothing else. Uh, you know who has what class. You know who doesn't have a class at this time. So now you've had a chance to work out wait times, uh, meeting times, and all that. So it's been a pretty good little deal for us. And this week was, uh, you know, less than uh, less than perfect. But, uh, you know, we got, got good work. And now coming in Sunday, we'll be straight into uh,
0: Obviously, Coach Buddy Pugh made the announcement today that he will be stepping down at the end of the season. Um, He's entering year 22 right now, which is just insane. 22 or 23 is what he's going to end up coaching. I mean, the winningest coach in South Carolina State history who's had some legends come through, Coach Jeffries and some other names. When you look at just his overall career, I mean – Man, it's a it's a interesting time, and we'll get into that. But what were what were your first thoughts when you heard the announcement for Coach Pugh?
1: Man, uh, first thoughts was like, okay, has this been confirmed? It's real, you know that kind of thing, because he's been doing it for so long, um, and at a high you know high level. Uh, and then you you hear that, and then you know you immediately just start thinking back, you know, like, wow, okay. He pretty much made and raised that program uh, and brought it to national prominence where it is now with with draft draftable kids, uh, you know, winning big time, you know, big time games and just keeping that that little I won't say little school, but that smaller school in a big spotlight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and someone in the chat asked, you know, was he forced out or anything like that? He apparently told his team that he wasn't, that he just thought that this was his time to step down. And I thought the timing was interesting right before what two days before the first game of the season, you know, a big game on ABC. I mean, do you think, okay, so I know that obviously that announcement isn't going to ultimately have an impact on the game on the field because those guys still got to go out perform, but do you think it changes the energy surrounding that team as they enter week zero?
1: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I think – now, I'm sure that wasn't part of the plan, so to speak, but it changes it all because now you're talking about every week um, going out and playing at a high level, the highest level you can possibly play at for a coach. Um, And now you're talking about guys from the past, uh, NFLers, uh, guys that you only see in the program on the walls and the record books. Now, they're coming back every week you know, a guy here, a guy there. And now that motivation, uh, you know, for the guys that are actually putting the helmets on, man, now I I think it means a lot more uh, because from what I understand, I've never played for him, never coached for him, never been around him, so to speak, that everybody – to know him is to love him. Um, So everybody's going to be playing at 100% now, you know, to make sure that they do their part to get coach a win every single game. Uh, So the timing is not – not uh, not bad for them, but it could be bad for others.
0: It makes me a little bit nervous. You see this in sports. You know, obviously there are some retirements that don't go well. But it seems like every time a legend has, like, a farewell tour, it all – like, man, you look at some of the greats. Like, it always ends as – like, that's the best way to go. Look at John Stickelmeyer last year for South Dakota State. <laughs> Went out on top winning a national title. I mean – it just it makes me a lot nervous to pick against South Carolina State this year. I'm going to be completely honest with you, especially the fact that you have a lot of guys who have been with Buddy for a while. You look throughout some of these returning guys, the Patrick Godbolts, the Jablonski Greens, the Corey Fields. Those guys have been with Buddy throughout the three-win season from the Celebration Bowl victory to at, through it all. So, man, they're going to want to go out on the highest note they possibly can I, I'm very interested to see if Buddy can go out on top. And I know someone in the chat's already asked, your thoughts on, a, on a you know, who, what's next for South Carolina State? Who, where do you think they look? Do they go get a proven head coach somewhere? Do they bring up an assistant from in the staff? Everyone knows how I feel about who should replace Buddy Pugh, and we'll get into that in a second. But, Coach, from just from your standpoint, what do you think the next move is for South Carolina State?
1: I think they – you know, they are a program that's not going to have to look for uh, resumes. Um, they'll get plenty of those. Uh, so they'll have an opportunity to choose who. Um, I think, you know, for them, the next, you know, the, the this hire is very important because of what you just lost, uh, the stability, uh, the long term. And you and I both know in this game, man, it ain't, uh, it's no more of those guys like Coach Pugh. There's no more of those guys like Coach Bowden. Uh, There's no more guys like, you know, because there's no more guys, no more guys in the business uh, that are, are given the opportunity and that are taking the opportunity, so to speak, meaning, you know, a guy may be there three years become hot uh, looking off for the next hot thing. Um, A guy may have a bad three years. The school is, Hey, we're looking for the next best thing. So the game has changed. So I think they go out and try to find somebody that's kind of proven that's not a shot in the dark. Uh, of course, they want quality, but I don't think they go and get a, uh, you know, jumping jack flash type thing because of what they just lost, you know.
0: Yeah. Obviously, I think Barry should be very hot on the list, <laughs> obviously. Go, so didn't you? Yeah. If it had. I've, I've said it for about – since probably the end of last season, I said if Buddy didn't perform this year, got to go get Barry from Benedict – and I think Lawrence put a good one in the chat. What about Sam Washington oh. from North Carolina A&T? Now, we know he wasn't very happy with A&T's decision to leave the MEAC. If an opportunity arises like South Carolina State in the MEAC, is that enough to entice him to get back into coaching?
1: And he's proven. Oh, yeah, very. And he's proven. He's proven in the conference. He's proven in the business. Uh, probably has one of the, best, the most famous quotes ever, you know. To go. <laughs> Uh, so he's proven he can do it, and I didn't. You know, I kind of forgot all about Coach Wise, so to speak. But I mean, that would be that would probably be one that they would actually call.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, just looking around, you know, I I think those are probably the top two names for me. Obviously, if an if they go get an assistant, you look at someone like an Antoine Sewell as a coordinator would be an interesting one, you know, has been under Damon, uh, Damon Wilson for a while, and I think he's kind of one of the up-and-coming names in terms of coordinators. Outside of those three right now, that's probably where I believe it. I think it's too early, and I think the reason he announced it is because he respects South Carolina State so much. He wanted to give them time to get ahead of the, ahead of the game almost because we know a late-firing can set a team way back in terms of a coaching search. If your coach just dips at the end of January and you didn't know it, man, good luck trying to get a top candidate because a lot of the top candidates have already signed places. Good luck
1: trying to get
0: decent recruits. Yes. Oh, yeah, because early signing day yeah. is, is right there. So, uh, and, I, and I think I, I've talked about this in terms of recruiting. Recruiting's pushing the coaching carousel further and further up in the season. As there becomes more signing days and it becomes more important to get ahead and start on classes – you're going to see coaches fired early in the season. Like we've seen coaches fired in sept- late September, October, and that's going to continue because if you don't have a contingency plan announced, those recruits aren't coming to sign with
1: you. No. um, You jump out that thing 0-3 and, and, you know, you are on the warm seat. Uh, you may not see 1-3 or 0-4 uh, just because the game is, you know, we talk about it all the time, the game has changed. Uh, yeah. You know, everybody's going to use that against you uh, in the recruiting in the recruiting battles. Uh, so, you know, schools I think have become uh, adaptive to that. They they now recognize the importance of that. I think Coach Pugh, uh like you said, recognize that doesn't want to hurt the program. Um, if he waits till November, uh, December to make this announcement. And then, you know, it's not going to be an easy, quick process to find somebody else. So you basically missed that first signing day. Um, and now you're, you know, you're scrambling to put together somebody who can come in with a staff, who can hit the ground running in January to salvage the second, you know, signing day. Uh, and everything just becomes that much, uh, that much more, more difficult. And then you've got to have somebody there to hold the roster that's already on campus, hold that roster on campus, because we know that, uh you know, recruiting off campuses at a, at an all-time high now.
0: No, man. I mean, and I think that, that like, look at what happened with Bethune-Cookman. Oh, I man. mean, you can't let that happen. No. Like, you fire Terry Sims, you, you take forever to make a hire, and then you make the wrong hire and have to do a second coaching search in the middle of spring. I mean, it's just it, – and then I even look at a situation – like what happened uh, in Kansas when Les Miles got pushed out due to the sanctions and everything, they go and hire the Buffalo head coach, yeah. uh, Lance Lopold, and now Buffalo's in the middle of a coaching search in May.
1: Trying to figure out what how, happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, how do you approach that as as a, you know, <laughs> like how do you approach that? So. I just I am not sure what the you know where South Carolina State goes. I think I I would rank it Chimnas Berry, San Washington. And if you're gonna go coordinator Antoine Sewell or even throw it out here. Well we talked about it I want to say last week, Matt Leone.
1: Matt Leone, um he's he's in the conference. Um, you know, I think if you're looking in the conference, I think that's a a a, a great place to start. Um if you're looking to stay within the SWAC MEAC confines, um, I think we could go through a couple different people, you know, uh, as far as top prospects, you know, people that they would probably need to to bring in. But I think they probably do it in a set of 10 um, or five, you know, 10 interview, phone interviews. Then we cut it down to five that we're going to actually bring on. Um, But it's also kind of a difficult time as well because, you know, they want to interview – Leroy Frederick week eight um, we're still in it you know it's gonna have to be a zoom situation and yeah. you know, I don't know how you feel about zoom interviews and things like that uh, initially cool but at some point I want to be sitting there with you sitting next to you because I need you to feel who I am I need to feel who you guys are uh, get to look at some facial expressions some body movements and actually you know see the place and, and let the people see me so uh, getting an assistant Maybe a little, little difficult to yeah. you know go from there, but I think once you narrow it down, now okay, if you're really interested, uh, you're gonna need to get here on your all day for at least a couple of hours, and then you'll know, fly back, finish your, you know your season or whatever that kind of thing. Um, so it's gonna be a tough process, but they've got enough time now to do it. If you had to predict, man, and
0: then we'll move on from this. When do you think that it's like? if you had to guess, when do you think they're going to make the announcement on the next head coach? And, and then on the, oh, on the flip side, when do you think they should announce it?
1: Okay, so I'll start when I think they should. Um, I think they should week six, week seven. Sorry, I don't understand. Because now, you know, you have time. I don't know what series talking about. Um, you have time to start that process Monday because uh, I'm sure the fax machines, the emails were already lit up today. Um, you start that process Monday, uh, narrowing down. Uh, if you feel you need to go to get a search firm, you got time to go get one. Um, how do you feel about a search firm? Yeah, Wait a minute, let's stay on topic. We'll go back, we'll go back. We'll go yeah, back.
0: we'll get back to that.
1: We'll stay on topic. Um, that, I think they should do it as early as possible. Um, that way, there's no... Uh, there's no room for speculation. While out of this world uh, talk, you know, so and so is coming. I've heard this, you know, and those things get inside the locker room. Those things get to players, you know, that kind of thing. Now, when I think they will, uh, depending on how the season go, uh, probably around week uh, nine, week week ten, somewhere there toward the end.
0: I'll, I'll, I I like that. I think when they should it should be right at the end of the season, like right after the last game. Even if you're going to the Celebration Bowl, announce it the last week of the season. So what's that, like the week, one of the two last weeks of November. When do I think? (sighs) Because I I don't see them promoting anyone from the inside. You just went and hired a new OC and DC. So the odds of of them being straight promoted are very low, I feel like. Uh, Because uh, uh, I would say this, unless they knew it was coming, and they hired based on that, but when I look at the experience of the two guys they hired, I don't think either of them would be top head coaching candidates. So that's not saying that they, those guys can't coach. It's just, I, I like that. The, is that what you were thinking of when you went back and hired? Because they have one guy who was a former OC there, yep. and you got a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, is a first-time D coordinator. The odds of that being like the the move is very low to me, just personally. So, uh,
1: let me me ask you this. Where do you think the years should range for the next guy to come in behind him?
0: In terms of years, what do you mean? Like, uh... Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. I, I think... If, if I'm looking at just qualities, I'll, I want to say, I you've got, if in my opinion, experience in HBCU football mm-hmm. has to be one. I think at least coordinator experience mm-hmm. has to be another at the D1 level, or, or, or I won't say the D1 level, just a coordinator, at, you know, in the collegiate ranks. Let's put it that way. And then I think, because I don't want to put a number, because there's some really promising young coaches out there that like. You look, you look at some of the chances that have been taken. Man, I, I'm not going to say you've got to coach a certain number of years. I just think HBCU experiences is great, especially MEAC experience. And then I, I think if you go the coordinator route, you just got to do it at the collegiate level. I don't think you could take a chance on a on just a positional coach right now because following up Buddy Pew is – oh, my God, man. That's not coming in after someone just got fired. This school hasn't had success. You've got to follow up the winningest coach in school history, I don't think you could just go hire some random quarterback coach somewhere. And
1: high school is definitely out of the question.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I would say I would like to see the hire be younger. Okay. I will say that I I don't think I I think if you can keep the coach somewhere under forty five, that would be great because we've seen this movement with some successful teams is they're getting younger and younger and younger and these younger head coaches, these younger assistants and everything, man, they're really connecting on the recruiting trail, man. They're recruiting at a high level. You look at what incarnate word is really built, man. They just keep setting the bar lower and lower. Eventually they're going to be hiring some 24 year olds straight out of college. I mean, they're setting the bar super young. You look at someone like a Trey lamb who got hired at Gardner Webb. It's paid off pretty well for them. Look at a uh, South Dakota state's new head coach. I mean, I don't think he's 40 yet. Right. I mean, so I I would like to see someone younger, especially because the the concern that everyone seemed to have about Buddy is that he was getting to the age where people were wondering if he was out of touch with where the game was going. Now, that would counter. You would also wonder would a younger guy have enough experience to follow it up, but me and you talked before the show, you're going to probably need someone who's like eager, who's excited, who's going to bring a little bit of energy. I think if you go hire someone – who's who doesn't bring that super social media savvy in terms of like wants to be on camera, wants to be, wants to generate interest, that could set that could uh that could set this higher back in my opinion. Cause I think that's what's missing with some of these top programs is that their coach, man, isn't in tune. You look at South Carolina State, let's be honest, they haven't really been in the media. Like you haven't seen a lot of interest come out of it because I don't think Buddy Pugh wants that. It, like he's not in tune with that
1: right that's not his world
0: yeah so i think i think a younger guy would be good i mean how do you feel about it
1: i think it has to be um also somebody that like you said will embrace it um i think it has to be somebody that understands what they're coming behind um willing to accept the fact of what they're coming behind um somebody that's willing to keep the door open for him um I think if you look back, like, in the Kansas State situation after Coach uh, Snyder left the first time, um, shedding that and shedding the past off is not going to help you. So it's gonna, it's, it has to be somebody that doesn't have that ego um, that's willing to let coach come around, that's willing to let former players come around. Um, so I wouldn't say a super young guy, uh, middle-of-the-road guy, but somebody that knows the landscape, of like you said hbcu football i think would be very important
0: yeah i mean and i guess that's the only reason i would have a little bit of hesitancy with sam washington is because he is a bit older he's sam washington yeah but he's sam washington like he's so proven that you kind of overlooked that but that's why i think chinnis berry is the sweet spot for me He's still, he's, I mean, he's, he's not, he's not super young, but you see him dancing with his players on social media. He has the energy. You, you feel it around him. He's involved with everything. That's what separates him. I think, I think that's why he's a sweet point between a Sam Washington, because he is proven as a winner can build a program, but he's not, he's not, he's not getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, like, are we just making a short-term investment on this guy?
1: Right. And, and like you said, he's been between the two conferences. Um, you know, he's in another conference, so to speak. Uh, I think his track record is one that, you know, kind of speaks for itself. So, you know, um, and I think he understands what the game is coming to now. It's, it's still X's and O's, but you still got to find a way to reach the Jimmys and Joes, if that oh, makes yeah.
0: sense. Oh, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. But <clears throat> shifting to week zero. I, it's finally here. It's finally here, man. Kickoff is just just a day away. I mean, really, man. Tomorrow was Friday. I'm I'm so pumped. I've been watching old games just to get ready. I'm just I'm just ready to watch some football. There's three FCS games this weekend. You got Fordham traveling up to UAlbany on Flow Sports. You got North Alabama facing number 19 Mercer, 2:30 p.m. Central Time. FCS kickoff game on ESPN, and of course you got the primetime time game. Everyone wants to talk about. Jackson State, South Carolina State, ABC, six thirty kickoff. Coach, let's start. Hmm, let's start with North Alabama Mercer, man. Let's let's start the FCS kickoff game. I think I, the lines haven't officially come out for this game, but I, I would expect Mercer to be a major favorite. North Alabama coming off a one win season, new head coach Mercer, obviously coming off of a, a year where they almost made the uh, FCS playoffs. They returned probably the best wide receiving duo in the country, I would imagine. When you, look at this, when you look at this game, man, what are your expectations for, for this game?
1: I want to see if Mercer uh, moves the needle with those two guys outside. Um, if they rely heavily on that, hey, you know who we got. You know what we're going to do. Um, now who do you have that can take, you know, take those two guys away, or, or can you, and make people prove it. Um, the thing that I want to see with North Alabama is, that program is not too far gone from man being a, a very, very good program. Um, I want to see how they come back from that one and nine. Does it look anything like it did last year or did they come back and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Uh, get back to more of what they've done in the past, which more wide open, uh, you know, fast attacking on both sides of the ball. You know, they used to live in the junior college circuit. Uh, you know, they built their program up that way. I think they kind of got away from it. Um, so I want to see if Mercer's is going to, you know, really put themselves in a category where we're, we're, we're a passing team or if they're going to try to be balanced. Cause if I'm at Mercer, I, y'all can know if you want it. I mean, who you going, what you got, you got six of them that can cover those two guys. If not, you know, we gonna feed it to them
0: and, and you should. Man, Todd James, I I really do think this guy – listen, I love Hayden Hatton. I love some of these other top receivers in the country. I think Todd James has – I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think he has the highest ceiling of any other wide receiver in the the entire FCS. Todd James right now – it, he is the most underrated wide receiver in the country, in my opinion. I mean, no one's putting respect on this guy's name. And then you got Devron Harper, who can do it in so many different ways. When you have a big guy, you can put on the outside like Todd James, that can go get you 350 yards and four touchdowns against a team that almost went to the to the quarterfinals. And then you got Devron Harper. You could throw in the slot, and he's your punt and kick returner, all American at that too.
1: He's gonna touch the ball.
0: <laughs> what, what do you do with that? I mean, if I, if you didn't have a running back, you could you, you could probably put Devron Harper in running back, and they wouldn't know what to do with him.
1: Right, he's gonna hey. touch the ball. I'm trying to see if this is Coach Quinn, uh, but he's gonna touch the ball. And I want to, I really want to see him commit to that. Um, yeah. To me, that's that gives you your best chance. You play off of that, and then you know let the chips fall where they may.
0: Yeah, uh, Dustin in the chat put so. Um, Top, uh, Devron Harper had almost 1,900 total yards last season, had 10 receiving touchdowns, four rushing, a kick return and a pump return touchdown last year for Mercer. Video game numbers. And does it effortlessly. But I, I know people are worried that Fred Payton is going at quarterback for Mercer, but I really do think they 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 did not watch enough film from the spring. Carter Peavy, his true freshman year, was great as a true freshman. I loved his game. He had to play because, okay, so just to give people a backstory, Fred Payton transferred in from Coastal Carolina. Since he played the fall season, he wasn't eligible for the spring, so he had to start a true freshman in PV, who led them to their first conference, their winning conference record in school history. And then Carter set for two years instead of transferring, waited for Peyton to play on his eligibility and now was stepping back into the QB one role. That the fact that they, that kid didn't transfer is insane because that does not happen. <laughs> no, he was, he was the newcomer of the year for the SoCon, if I'm not mistaken, and stayed and settled the bench for two years.
1: Newcomer of the year um, here, uh, get this headset.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I think Carter Peavy's due for a breakout year, man. I've heard great things throughout fall camp. You give them Ty James, Devron Harper, their starting running back last year got hurt. He's back healthy, and their leading rusher from last year returns.
1: So, what are you going to uh, do? I mean, you're going to play run, you're going to play pass. Um, and when you're playing the run, all he's got to do is get it close to those guys. You know, yep. um, Especially
0: Ty it, James. Ty make, James, it don't matter.
1: Don't make a play. Um, you're going to play the pass. Now he just has to be smart. Just hand it off. Just don't wreck the car and and let the game come to you. And he has yeah. game.
0: Yep. Listen, Deerman's my guy, but they just got so many question marks going. And I, I just feel like it's unfortunate that they their first game, they get Mercer, who's coming back, probably going to achieve like career high, like school high, school records this year in terms of what they're going to produce. When I look at the quarterback battle, Noah Walters comes back. They got the Florida Atlantic transfer, TJ Smith, who I think is really promising. Yes, you do lose um Powell, who transferred to Central Arkansas, was the ASUN Offensive Player of the Year, but you return a guy who was all-conference two years ago in Parker Driggers, and then also got Demarcus Lacey, who made the transition from wide receiver to running back. So I think they're going to have enough offensive firepower. But I love T.K. Kennebrew at wide receiver for North Alabama, man. Philip Osad, Cameron Green on the defensive lines, outstanding. I think they got some great pieces in the secondary, man. They really hit the transfer portal hard. Um, It's just I don't think this is the game that we're going to see a huge upset. Like if Mercer loses this game, I mean, you're talking about where does their season go from here? And you have a North Alabama team, new head coach, new quarterback. And I mean, I think – there's a lot of unknowns with that. But I do think Mercer has enough talent to overcome that, in my opinion, Coach. So let me get your prediction for this North Alabama-Mercer game and what you got Saturday at 2.30. Oh,
1: man, I'm saying Mercer. I'm going 32-14. Uh, uh, and those two guys at the receiver spot uh, buck, buck 20 apiece.
0: I could see that. Um, Yeah, I got Mercer. I got Mercer 38-21 um, this weekend. I think North Alabama's going to be able to score early because, listen, it's week zero. We all know what it is. Like, I think early it can be close. Yep, but right. I, I think, yeah, Mercer's going to pull away. 38-21 Mercer over North Alabama this weekend, man. Before we get to the MEAC Swack Challenge, man, quickly, Fordham traveling to U Albany 6 p.m. Central on Flow Sports last season. Uh, you albany lost this game 48 to 45 on the road against Fordham in week three. Of course, Tim Demoret is gone for Fordham. Um, so looking at this game coach, man, what are you looking for?
1: To see how Fordham, um, see how they've rebounded, um, see what they put together, um, from that heck of a heck of a run they had last year. Um, all the pressures on the guy, taking the ball, taking the snap now. Um, how does he respond and defensively um, where are they now can they win games for them now that they don't have my guy back there throwing for 800 yards a game uh, in shootouts you know so what have they done defensively have they changed are they the same and how is this guy that's taking the snaps going to be ready to go now
0: yeah I think the, the quarterback question is huge for Ford on this game. Now, you do have MJ Wright back, who was one of the three 1,000-yard wide receivers they had, which is still stupid. They had three receivers at, a, at over 1,100 yards.
1: Oh,
0: man. Yeah, I'm telling you, Demore is that guy. And then you still got Makai Felton back, who had 500 yards last year. So wide receivers, abundant. Like, and I've seen some of their clips from fall camp, they're still pushing it down the field. You lose your leading rusher and Sneed, but Julius Lowridge is one of the highest-graded running backs in the FCS, 900-plus yards last season on the ground. He's going to have a bigger role. you got the Utah transfer, Ricky Parks, coming in as well to add some depth at running back. On defense, James Conway, 127 total tackles last year, was an FCS All-American this preseason. He'll probably be leading the defense. You return your leader in the secondary is Stephen Williams, three picks, 12 pass breakups. But the question becomes for me is, Last season, you won a lot of shootouts. Do you have a quarterback who can win you those shootouts again? One of the shootouts was UAlbany, who I want to flip to them. Their record is really bad last year. I want to say they only won three games last year. Five of their eight losses came by less than 10 points last year.
1: How much did they grow? You know? They
0: were on the cusp. And, and I think teams – I don't know how you feel about this, because I want to get your opinion. Teams that have a lot of close games the year before – they either learn to win them, or I mean, it, it gets real ugly the next year.
1: Um, and I think what happens with that also, um, you're, you're exactly right. But I think a couple things go into that that factor into that. Um, how how young were they? Um, did they learn if they were young, um, and if they were old? What did the young guys behind the older guys learn? To put them over the top of those games, uh, which is why I said now, for them defensively, can you pick up until your quarterback gets in a groove? Um, he's not—he's not the guy that just left. Uh, not saying he's not good, but he's not the guy that just left. Um, can you guys on the defense hold up until he can catch his his groove um, and possibly get you in those and get you out of those shootouts?
0: Yeah, when I look at Albany, their quarterback situation, I I, Reese, Reese, I want to say it's Poffenbarger, which is an outrageous last name. 3,000 yards and 24 passing touchdowns as a true freshman, only four picks. It was a Jerry Rice Award finalist. He's coming back. I think he could take a massive step. Now, he loses his top t- tight end, Thomas Greeny, but he returns Roy Alexander, Julian Hicks, both of these guys were his top two leading wide receivers. He returns three of his top five wide receivers from last year. That's huge. He, for this, yeah, for this offense. That's huge for a young guy to have that continuity. And then on the defensive front, you return Anton uh junk, I want to say his junk guy, 12 tackles for loss, Elijah Hillis, nine and a half tackles for loss, and AJ Simon, 10 and a half tackles for loss. A lot of talent on that front in that front four. That could be huge. If they can figure out their secondary. You Albany could take a massive step forward because I think we talked about this in the c a a It's really William and Mary, maybe New Hampshire, and then everybody else. Can you Albany be that team that surprises everyone and finishes in that middle of the
1: pack range where no one's really expecting it? It's still a couple games and you know find themselves with an opportunity at the end to be able to get into the playoffs. you said that last name again, Pendergrass
0: uh no Poffenbarger. <laughs> Yeah, Poffin Barger. I mean, hey, I'll t- I'll take it. But man, the kid's a stud, and I think for a true fr- Again, we talked about this with Giovanni McCoy at Idaho. For that right. kid to have that
1: season and come back, huge, yeah, huge. Um, because it it don't happen this way in the game anymore. Uh, somebody should have come or would have came with a with a hot NIL deal. Uh, so hats off to them to be able to keep him. Um, you know, and hats off to him to stay. Uh, so that tells me a lot about that kid. That tells me a lot about what they have uh, that makes him say, you know what? I want to come back. He wasn't shopping himself. He'd stayed put uh, because he would have been easy to shop himself on the Internet um, and get picked up. I know I, he would have piqued my interest as well. Uh, Three thousand yards. I mean, come on. That's a lot of yards. And that means that he is pretty efficient.
0: Yeah, he was my leader for the Jerry Rice Award until McCoy beat Montana on the road. That was yeah. a big thing. Like, I mean, because him and him and him and Giovanni had a very similar stats, but when Giovanni's winning in the big sky and you're losing in the CAA, that is tough. Like, I got like when you're picking like when you're picking these awards, sometimes you got to split really fine hairs. I'm taking the guy who's winning in the big sky,
1: tougher week in, week out. He's yeah. staying- in a lot tougher lot competition week in, week out. I'm with give, you me your, yeah, give
0: me your score prediction. You, Albany, ho- hosting Fordham this weekend, as, uh, 6 o'clock on Flow Sports. Man, what's your prediction for this one?
1: I, I got this one like 27-24 uh, uh, just because I think it's going to be, like you said, a lot of jitters uh, for that guy from Fordham that's taking the snaps. Uh, but he's got guys that's going to be able to get him uh, some plays. Uh, I'm saying 27-24, they, they win it. Uh, you got, so you got Fordham? Yep, I got four. I like it. I'm going upset here.
0: I have a feeling, man, that uh, Reese is going to take a step forward. Um, I think UAlbany is going to be better than people are thinking. I got UAlbany for the upset at home, 45-41. I think it's going to be high scoring again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be high scoring. Now, I think the, the difference is with their defensive front, with Fordham having a new quarterback, they're going to be able to get pressure. And the fact that they have more depth on the defensive line than I, I'm assuming Fordham has, is, be, and that's going to pay off at the end of the game when they're able to get a pass rush late in that fourth quarter. Because I think it's going to be a high-scoring game like last year where it's going to be who can make the stop last. They're going to be fresher in the fourth quarter.
1: But up front, you already lost, what, three of the five?
0: In terms of offensive linemen for Fordham?
1: No, no, for uh for Albany.
0: New Albany. Albany. Yeah, you return your top three defensive linemen at Albany. No,
1: offensive wise, offensive
0: line. Oh, offensive line? Um, I wanna say they return a majority, but I could be wrong. I wanna say they returned probably three of the five or so. Three
1: of the five, so they lost two.
0: Yeah. yeah, so they lost two. So I just think they're going to be able to get pressure. I trust their defensive line to win the game more so than I do Fordham's. And I just don't know who they have outside of Stephen Williams at, at, at in the secondary. Man, Like one guy can't do it all in the secondary because you're going to start away from him.
1: Hey, but like you said, it's week zero. Um, there's going to be some strange bounces. Uh, special teams are going to be freaking huge. Yep. Uh, so we'll see who wins that. But I'm saying Florida
0: 27-24. I like it. That's the first game we disagreed on. Going to the game of the week, obviously. Number 21, Jackson State facing South Carolina State, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, ABC. Hey, end of an era. Buddy Pugh's last first game of the season. I mean, it's huge. We talked about what that meant in terms of him announcing his retirement. Um, I. Coach, I just want your initial takes on this game. What are you going to be looking for for each team going into this matchup?
1: Um, I'll start with uh, South Carolina State. Uh, how do they handle the emotions early um, with the announcement? That and then the new additions of the, the coordinators, um, what that imprint looks like uh, early. And can they handle the 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 first three minutes of the game? After that, you know that initial high uh, of wanting to win this, Coach Pew. I'm sure it's going to be all over the stands, all over the stadium. Uh, after that first three minutes is over, how how do they handle it, and what are they able to do uh, from the other side? Uh, if you get down early, what now? That's what I'm, in, I'm looking for with them, uh, as, you know, not the obvious like everybody else. Who tries out there as a the signal caller? I think yeah. that would be uh, huge as well. Um, defensively, I mean, you could play base and, and get away with it. Um, but what kind of imprint does Coach Bradley have uh, that's going to be different from what we've used to seeing for the last two years from uh, from Jackson? You know what kind of defensive scheme will they roll out there? Uh, But if they go down early, how do they respond?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I look at South Carolina State, there's there's the major question for me is which Corey Fields do we get? Mm. We've seen, listen, we've seen the lows of lows with Corey Fields, and it's not pretty. But then we've seen the second half of the Celebration Bowl. We saw what he did against North Carolina Central, where he outplayed Davious Richard last season and pull and and led South Carolina state to that win. What are we getting from him? New OC, a big stage, no, no Shaq Davis. You're looking at wide receiver. I mean, Jordan Smith and Rakeem white were the two and three wide receivers. They're going to have to step up. They're both, they're both built very similar to Shaq, but can they like, let's just be honest. You can't replace Shaq Davis. Like neither of those guys are Shaq. So what are they going to do? For them, defensively, obviously Jablonski, Green, Patrick Godbold is is the your stars on that front seven. Jalen Davis, a name that you probably wish you know I didn't get to say on this one, is Malcolm McGee transferred <laughs> over there at, at, in the secondary. The, but outside of those two guys, it's a new look secondary. Is it going to come together? Because I don't think that secondary has been the same since um since uh what two years ago when they lost um. I'm blanking on his name.
1: After the celebration ball or whatever.
0: Yeah, um, I I, I their secondary took a major step back last year. For Jackson, obviously it's a quarterback situation. If I had to put money on it, either Jason Brown or Jacoby and Morgan is going to walk out there for the first snaps. If I had to put money on it, yeah, uh, Jacoby Durant. Uh, thanks, Calvin. Um, and and, and Zephyr White. Um, or was was the names I was thinking about? But I think it's gonna be Jason Brown and Jacoby and Morgan. And I would put my money on Jason Brown just because of
1: the experience. A Kobe Durant level was pretty good,
0: wasn't he? Yeah, just a little bit. I I think so. But when I look at when I look at Jason Brown, he's what a sixth, seventh year guy. I don't, I just don't see why he goes somewhere where he it, like even if he's not the starter for the whole year and he loses the job. He's got to get the first snaps, right? I would think. Stranger things have happened. No, no, stranger things have definitely happened, but I just don't see how he, takes, he doesn't take the first snaps. I yeah. think he takes the first snaps. We may see Jacoby and Morgan. I wouldn't put out the realm possibility we see more than one quarterback for Jackson, depending on how things go. If one guy goes out there and is balling, that's cool. But I'm interested to see Maurice Harris, T.C. Taylor, what's the patience? What's the, what's the leash for these quarterbacks? Like if someone goes out there and it's second quarter, it's three to nothing and neither team's really moving the ball. Do we go for a spark and put in a Jacoby and Morgan? Do we put in a, a Philip short or someone else? Yeah. That's a question for me is what is the tolerance for these quarterbacks? Or do you have a guy you've just been hiding it and that's your God, regardless of how they play.
1: Yeah. And, and you bring another point up that, uh, that I I I want to see and hear and I wish I was there to feel it. Like, what's the patience of the fans? Um, South Carolina State go up 10-0, offense not playing well. Uh when do when do the tomatoes come out? You know? Yeah. Uh that's what I want and that's just the fan side of me, not the coach side. The fan side of me wants to know what the patience level uh from the ticket buyers, the ticket holders What is that going to be? What does that look like? Yeah, because I mean,
0: because I don't blame anyone. Like, let's let's be honest, man. I've seen people like Bo Nix was playing really well for Auburn. I've seen Auburn fans boo him off the field. (laughs) Like these guys don't have any like stock for like the fans. Man, if you don't go out there and play,
1: man, give me my sixty dollars worth, baby. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Like, cause, cause I don't. I, I think it depends on what the halftime score is. Cause I don't. I, for, if I'm TC and we're down ten nothing, seventeen nothing, or even like seventeen three, seventeen six, we just aren't moving the ball well. We can't get into it, get into the end zone at halftime. I'm making the change. I have yeah. to.
1: Yeah, I don't think you got to. I don't think you let it, let it just play itself out at that point. I think you've got to interject yourself, um, and then you kind of go from there. Uh, so I agree with you on that. I agree
0: with you on that too. Wide receivers interesting for me for Jackson too. I know there's a lot of guys who are projected to step up. They brought in a lot of transfers. What is that rotation like? Is there going to be a guy emerge? We've seen every year someone emerge as the guy for Jackson State. And then they've also kind of had like a breakout guy who's like the number two star, but they've always had that reliable guy. What two years ago, it was Corvin last year. It was Dallas Daniels. And then you had the big play threats of Shane Hooks and Malachi Wadman the past two years. And then of course you threw Travis Hunter in there when he got healthy, who's going to fill those roles this year.
1: That. And then I think it all three sixties back to who rolls out there and takes a snap, uh, cause that, fair, that, that first set hut, um, and the timing that, you know, uh, that he has with those guys. Uh, And then the guys up front, you know, they're replacing a lot of guys up front as well. Uh, So, you know, I I, I remind people all the time that it's not 707, you know, when that ball snapped and that quarterback has it in his hand, those other guys on the other side of the ball are coming. They want that ball. So how are we going to be able to, you know, hold up up front and, and, and then, be able to see who's going to be able to, you know, emerge as those playmakers outside. And the run game.
0: Mm-hmm. The biggest matchup to watch for me is South Carolina State's O-line versus Jackson's D-line. To me, that decides the game, ultimately. Oh, no. Because Jackson has relied so much on pressure. And look, even going back to Coach Bradley at Alcorn State, you guys relied so much on pressure last and season.
1: We had guys that could rush the passer. Um you know, we had guys at the second level that could also do it as well. Uh, so when you say that, you know, my thing is, does he have to bring pressure or can he win it with the four? Uh, you know, if he can win it with the four up front and not bring pressure, that makes life so much easier on everybody else. But if he's got to start bringing five, six, you know, zero, now now you're living on the edge because now it doesn't take but one time for that six, four guy, six, five guy, to be able to go up and get a jump ball and change, you know, the outlook of the game.
0: I do think it's important to bring pressure early on Corey Fields. I will say that. I think even yeah, if you're right. Even if it's not four, if you bring like a five, six person blitz early, like for Corey Fields, you've seen in the past, like if you can speed him up, that's it, the key. It gets a little loose. Yeah. And so I think if they if really and truly they can get to Corey Fields early and get that internal clock ticking a bit faster, faster, especially with week zero, it kind of sets your clock each game. And by the end of the first quarter, your 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 clock's kind of set as a quarterback. If they can make it tick just a little faster than Corey Fields is comfortable with, Jackson has the advantage in that point because you know, defensive tackle wise, they could. I've, even though they're not typical pass rushers, Devontae Davis and Jeremiah Williams, they're yeah. really good defensive tackles. If you can start generating pressure from inside, even if you lack in the edge rusher, like a Niles Gaddy, like a James Houston, and, and we let Doyle and Phillip Webb and some of these guys start developing, if you can get generate pressure from inside and let those edge guys kind of come into their game, get into the flow of the game early, and these experienced guys can carry the load early, man, that's huge for Jackson in terms of what they can start doing defensively.
1: And I think you bring up a great point as well uh all camp, you tag off on the quarterback. Um, you know, so they may feel it run by, run by, run by, but the minute you start being, you know, you're you're able to touch them now. You're able to put hands on them. So now that clock goes a little bit faster after that first hit. So I think that goes Jackson way, but I also think that goes South Carolina State way as well. Uh, you've got a guy that we are projecting we don't know that we're projecting that's played a lot of football uh six years now where is he with his his clock you know he hasn't been touched on camp now where is he with his clock that he, with those guys being able to tee off you know how is he going to adapt is it going to come back is it going to take a minute for him to get to where he needs to be uh he's going to use his legs he's going to try to show his arm you know Now we're touching these guys that are taking the snap. Now let's see where they are mentally and uh, see what happens.
0: That's that's an interesting concept, too, even for Jackson. Because let's flip it. New offensive line, for the most part. You got Evan Henry and some pieces coming back. Love DeAndre Towns-Blue and some of those guys. But we'll see what the unit plays like. When you got a guy like Patrick Godbolt and Jablotsky Green finally healthy, you have to make South Carolina State bring more than four guys. They're missing B.J. Davis, who was an electric player. I thought probably had a real case for me at Defensive Player of the Year last year. You, were, you get Aiden Weber from Delaware State. You return um, Aaron Smith at linebacker. He was your second leading tackler. If you can let those guys stay in coverage and not have to bring those guys to get after the quarterback, that's huge. And then my question with Jason Brown is his, his mobility. If they start getting pressure, is a guy like a Jacobian Morgan? a better option is a guy who is a little bit more mobile, the better option at quarterback, because now you need someone to get out of the quarterback and maybe be able to make plays with his legs to keep those edge rushers from getting upfield.
1: Yes. And will he be willing to, you know, he doesn't have to be Michael Vick, but will he be willing to get out on the edge, go get you five yards, get out on the edge, you know, prolong some plays, uh, get some scramble drill working, um, or is he just dead set on being in between that thing, uh, that same loss point, uh, staring that thing down in his, in his face? Uh, so you you bring up a great point. That's a double edge. How does he handle it? Does he want to handle it? Can he handle it? And the guys with the collar shirts, how long are we going to look at it if he can't handle it?
0: Yeah, because I and, and you know I've heard cause my question was was like how as much as the question marks on Jackson's quarterbacks, how long is Corey Fields leash? They pulled him really quick last year. Yeah. And, and he they, yeah, they got a Yeah, they got a six four two twenty red shirt freshman quarterback that everyone's real excited to see play. How short is his leash? Now from what I'm hearing, it's very long. That I don't think but like Buddy, in my opinion, in his last year might be willing to live or die with what Corey Fields does. And he's that's brought, fine.
1: Yeah, he's brought me here. Uh yeah. he's brought me to dance. I'm willing to dance with him a little bit longer. Uh, but I also know that, you know, Coach Pew ain't about just watching that thing get away from him either. You know what I mean? Um uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know in his last year, um, I'm pretty sure that speech to the team was you know, what they, what, what's the old cliche, win one for the Gipper? Uh, I'm sure it's one of those kind of speeches. Uh, no pressure, but just a little pressure.
0: Yeah, just a little bit. And I'm really excited to see. I, I, it's been a while since this guy suited up. Just my, just for me personally, because I like watching good football, Asaeus Guthrie, what does he look like finally back in a football uniform playing on a big stage? He was electric for Delaware State all over the field. And I think with some new faces in that secondary, that's in, that's invaluable to have as a guy who has taken on leadership role, has led a number one defense in a defensive-minded conference like the MIAC. He led Delaware State to the number one defense and was a freshman All-American. He's Roman Sheriff, had him on the show. That's invaluable for that secondary. You combine him with Kevrick Wiggins. Jalen Hughes, who saw a lot of action last year, does – his presence in the back end as a safety that can play all over, can cover as well one on one if you need him to. I wonder what his presence does for the rest of the guys, knowing that he's kind of back there as like an it's like an outfielder covering the mistakes of anything they make.
1: And that's why you know Coach Quinn and that school up the street. Internet is freaking bugging me. it's one of the questions that we could ask, but you know, just from the outside looking in, you know. You you know football man that uh that experience that leadership you can't put a price on it um so you know being in that in that spotlight for those young guys um I'm pretty sure he is a uh, a, a a tower of light and I, I'm I'm excited and and really intrigued to see where they play him um just because of like you said earlier with the influx of talent that they have in the back. Uh, I'm excited to see where they play him. I, I really want to see if they're going to play him at the free, uh, if they're going to play him at one of the short corners or whatever. Uh, I just want to see where they use him.
0: I think you got to play him at the free, just me personally, because I, I don't think you can bring him as like an in the box guy. Like I'm not sure he's like a big tackler. He's so good at covering and tracking the ball and making plays after the catch. In terms of like after he interception, he's dangerous when he's on the loose, man. You got to just let him play back there. Like he's so. In, I think. What I was trying to say is he's so instinctual that if you put him anywhere other than free, where he can just he can just move and read and react, you almost take his best quality away from him.
1: Well, I wasn't saying strong. I'm I'm just curious to see if they're going to play him at at the free or one of the corner spots. And when I say short, meaning you know boundary corner or field corner or whatever, Uh, you know, Mm,
0: because that's interesting
1: experience. Um, and then because they are so big, South Carolina State, in that receiver room, uh, will they say, hey, you take this guy away uh, on this corner and we play somewhere else? Or, you know, like you said, just let him play over the top. And if y'all want to play jump ball, I can go play jump ball coming from, you know, off the roof kind of situation. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where they actually play him at.
0: I would imagine that Kevrick's going to be at one of those corner spots. I would have to think that oh. – and then Jalen maybe. I mean, I guess you could possibly move Jalen to the slot if you want to move Isaias to a safety spot. But – or, I mean, I guess – I don't know how Isaias would do in the slot personally. I mean, I'm sure he could do it. But, I mean, because you could put Jalen, Kevrick, and then have Isaias kind of be that slot guy. But I, I'm interested. That is a good question now that I'm thinking about it because they do have a lot of pieces that they can move around back there.
1: And then it will be interesting, interesting to see – how uh coach Bradley plays it. If he plays it in the four two five type situation where he's gonna play five of those guys in the back, or if he's gonna play a true four three situation, uh where that 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 nickel or that strong safety is a true, like you said, in the box kind of guy. Uh so it'd be interesting to see because like you said, they have a lot of talent in the back. So uh if you got a lot of talent in the back, not so much in the middle you probably pay more of the talent in the back, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I just want to see where they're playing at. That's my whole thing when it comes to him.
0: I like it. DJ Stevens, too, at tight end. I think he's going to be a big target, especially with some of the new faces at wide receiver. Having that, like, go-to guy that's big. You saw in the Celebration Bowl, he kind of was featured a little bit more now, you know, with some of the receivers – Compa- comparative to some of the receivers, man. But, Coach, you're, we're going to wrap it up here, man. It's almost over an hour now. Give me your prediction. Meack Swack Challenge this weekend, ABC over in Atlanta, Georgia, man. What you expecting?
1: Which one you want? Do you want the uh, coach of the rival school prediction or do you want your co-host prediction? Well, I need my co-host prediction just for this one. I'm taking um, – I'm actually taking uh, – I'm going I'm to take South Carolina State. Uh, because I mean, Coach Pugh, man, the emotion, uh, television, uh, week zero. If I'm in that locker room, if I'm on that coaching staff, I'm playing that up as far as I can freaking play it. You know, Coach Pugh, opening night college football. Everybody in America's watching us. You know, we got to go out and put this thing on the line for Coach Pugh. Uh, if we don't win another game, we've got to win this one. All of America's watching everybody's hungry for football. Let's show them what we got, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm taking them in a 32, uh, 28 type deal. That's
0: a lot of points.
1: That's a lot of points. The strange things that can happen in the special teams game. Um, I really feel that Corey Fields has the ability to do it. Now he doesn't have number one on the outside, but he has pieces that that look like number one on the outside. So I mean, and he's also one that can do it with his legs. It breaks down. I think he can make it happen. Um, so yeah, mm. I'm, I'm at 32-28. 30,
0: Man, I, I'll be honest. So I wrote, you know, I do my prediction article every week for the website, and I've I've had this written up for two days, and I just can't decide. Like I couldn't decide on the UAlbany score, and I couldn't decide on this score. I just went back and forth, back and forth. I just have, so, I just have a feeling, man. Just I, as, I love Corey Fields. I just can't trust him. Every time I put my trust in him, he lets me down. I picked South Carolina State for like two games last year, and they let me down. I, 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 just, I got a feeling Jackson's going to find a way to get it done. I think next week is the week we're going to learn a lot about Jackson. I, I'm going to pick Jackson. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to pick Jackson 23-20. to 20. Oh, okay. Close, low-scoring game. I, I'll be honest. That's why I said there's a lot of points. I don't see either one of these teams hitting thirty points in week zero. Okay, I'm with It's just, it's gonna be. I, I just got a weird feeling. It's gonna be a disgusting game this weekend. Like, cause you look, you look at it. New coordinate, uh, four new coordinators. Yeah, lot of- I, I mean. All over the place. You got Corey Fields coming off of a of, of his worst probably season in his career. You got a new quarterback in Jackson. You got brand new wide receivers at South Carolina State. You got brand new wide receivers at Jackson. The, yeah, the, the, the strength, the returning strength is in the defensive lines. Man, I just think it could get now. I I expect both teams to give up a lot of sacks.
1: So you you really you really want to go like three
0: to nothing. I would man, I would, I, I said this, I wouldn't be surprised if neither team hit 20.
1: Keeps us next to the TV. I'm good.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those like drag out type games. And so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a with Jackson, 23 to 20. I, I just, and I, I'll say, I'll keep it close too, because I don't think either team blows it, either one out.
1: Okay. So we keep it. Me and you is it's split. Well, we we agreed on one.
0: The obvious one, I feel like we we kind of we agreed. So to recap our picks, guys, we both have Mercer over North Alabama. He's picking Fordham over U Albany. I'm going for I'm going with the upset U Albany over Fordham. Coach is going with the upset South Carolina State over Jackson, and I'm going Jackson beating South Carolina State by three. So those are our picks for Week Zero. Um, I, if you're rewatching this. We skip around a lot. We did our, our buddy Pew talk. We had a short interview with Torinzo Quinn throughout the episode, oh. throughout the hour, all over the episode, man. So I'm going to chop up uh, Coach Quinn's interview, drop it as its own episode probably either later tonight or in the morning so you can catch it all just in its continuity there. You can catch the replay of this right here on YouTube channel and all podcast streaming platforms, and I'm going to chop that up. I'm probably dropping it in two separate ones where you can watch the preview and then you can listen to the interview on both platforms.
1: We'll be back. Yeah,
0: we're going to get that worked out. So next week, we we did Jackson this week. We didn't want to pick Jackson two weeks in a row. Our game of the week next week is Texas Southern PV. So we got some special guests lined up. Say that again?
1: I said, yeah, Coach Frederick.
0: Yep. So we're gonna have Coach Frederick, offensive coordinator for PV. We're still working on a Texas Southern coach. So stay tuned for that, guys. This weekend, stay tuned for press conferences, highlights, all that good stuff from all the FCS games. And man, Coach, you got anything to say to the people before we roll out of here?
1: Hold on, man. We got to go back. You are, I will. You're you're the lead Corso of this thing, right? Uh. Paul Firebomb or the YouTube thing. You're, you're heading that direction. You're heading that direction. Um, what did you got up? What did what you got lined up, man? What's the slate? Week zero and the week one.
0: Okay, so just to let y'all know, I will not be in Atlanta this weekend. Um, I will be going to North Alabama Mercer because of uh, some credential disagreements. On that, we'll just call it that. I don't want to burn any bridges or anything. Next week, I should be in South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame versus Tennessee State, man. Shout out to Eddie George and all them for letting me ride up with them for that. And then week two, um, I, I will be in Brookings, South Dakota, South Dakota State versus Montana State. That game's gonna be—I can't wait for that one, man. I already got my flight booked, hotel booked, rental car ready. I'm ready for week two. Taking your sunscreen, right? No, it kicks off at six o'clock.
1: Oh. Uh, hey.
0: Yeah. I it, it might be cold. That's what I'm worried about. It's like it kicks <laughs> off at night and I still have a feeling it's gonna be weirdly cold in September in South Dakota. <laughs> Never been to South Dakota. So uh, well, we'll see. I might have to be wearing a hoodie out there. I, I don't know. It's gonna be a hundred something degrees tomorrow. I mean on Saturday, so really not looking forward to that one. On turf. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah oh yeah at the Crampton Bowl. It is turf, isn't it? yeah good lord
1: favor man do not get out there on that sideline and Mm -mm. crank and have either one of those medical staffs have to come get you man don't do that oh no
0: listen i got i got me uh what was that that liquid iv you put in the water oh yeah yeah. i've been i've been hydrating man do not worry on that but guys stay tuned for more content right here on the blue bloods man me and coach I'm probably going to get with Coach. We might be doing a recap show and then keeping this our preview show. We'll let you know. But, guys, for the Coach's Corner, for myself, my guy, Coach Fred, and the Blue Bloods man, we are out for right now.